The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are dealing with serious addiction to opiates, heroin, or something else, you know what a toll it takes on your life and the lives of those you love and who love you. This is A Man in Recovery Radio, from dope to hope. You'll hear from host Tim Ryan about his long journey from a winning life to losing nearly everything he had, including his 20-year-old son, all from addiction. Now, Tim has a purpose, to educate others about the devastating effects of addiction and how if you are one of the millions of people who have lives that have been affected, you can turn things around today. Now, here is Tim Ryan. Good morning, good morning. This is Tim Ryan with Man Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope, helping one addict at a time, having a little technical difficulty with our mic, so... We're running through the uh, computer mic, but anyhow, I am truly honored today to have a a special friend uh, by the name of Derek Horan on our show, and Derek, when did we meet? I believe to the day we met about two or three years ago outside of a church of an AA meeting. Yeah, we, uh, we had met about a month. It was a little over two years ago because my son Nicholas succumbed to a heroin overdose on August 1st of 2014. And about three weeks later, four weeks later, I was at a uh, 12-step meeting, an AA meeting on a uh, Friday night. And that meeting's at 6 o'clock, and afterwards we were out smoking, and there's an NA meeting that runs after that, and, and Derek comes wandering up, and he's like, hey, you guys going to the NA meeting? I'm like, no, bunch of young kids there. And uh, he's like, well, I just got out of treatment, and I'm a heroin addict and an opiate addict and a garbage can. And so we started talking. I said, hey, I run this other support group. And out of the blue, he says, hey, did you hear about that kid, Nick Ryan, that died? And I said, yeah, why? He said, oh, well, Nick's girlfriend, Alexis, I've known since third grade. And I said, yeah, it's a sad situation. He said, did you know Nick? And I said, yeah, I was his father. And it it stopped Derek in his tracks. And we started hanging out together. And at that time, I had recently joined Banyan Treatment Center. I still, 15 years later, don't have a driver's license. So Derek started driving me around, going to meetings. And then, uh, you know, what happened with you, Derek? Um, well, if I remember correctly, uh, the first time I got clean, I mustered to get about six months sober, not working the steps, not really doing anything besides just kind of staying dry. And unfortunately, you know, I, I ended up using, um, I went down to Florida, uh, down in Florida, I decided to kind of do things the way I've always done, try to take matters into my own hands. Um, things didn't work out, you know. Countless detoxes, treatment centers, halfways, you know, sober homes, meetings, steps, sponsors. Later, like, I finally grasped it about 
a little over nine months ago, and now I'm sitting here today, and I actually work with you, which is kind of crazy. Go, go figure. But let, let's go back, Derek. Let's. You're 22 years old. Yep. Uh, you were raised by basically uh, your mother, uh, single parent. Tell us your mother's journey of getting to the United States. Well, my mother um, was an immigrant to the United States about 18 or 19 years ago. I forget exactly how long. Um, so, so the situation she kind of grew up in, she grew up in communist Poland. Um, her father was a raging alcoholic, so my grandmother had to pretty much raise three kids, my uncle, my mom, and my aunt, um, by herself while her father was destroying the household, her father being my grandfather. And, you know, unfortunately, um, circumstances fell the way they did. Uh, my grandmother had to move to Italy for work. And, you know, my grandfather kicked my mother, my uncle, and my aunt out of the house. And they had to travel all the way to Italy pretty much by foot and by pretty much hitchhiking to get to Italy to my grandmother's house. And they finally made their way over to the United States. And I commend my mother, man. She's beaten cancer twice. She's had to deal with me my entire life. She's had to, you know, she's struggled in her own ways. So I, I have a lot of respect for my mother, especially dealing with me by herself for, you know, 22 years. Hey, now, when your mom immigrated here, she couldn't speak English, could she? No, my mother, um, you know, spoke a lot of different languages, but English was not one of them. Um, so she started off, I remember her telling me, as a waitress in... Uh, I believe New Mexico, and she, you know, she started off as a waitress, started working her way up, started slowly learning English, started, you know, learning learning the way that, you know, Americans live, which isn't too different, so I shouldn't say that, but, you know, she, she started getting adjusted to the new environment that she, you know, had to live in. Because it was either, you know, get adjusted or go back to communist Poland. And then you came along. And then, yeah, and then she met my father, and, you know, miraculously, I, I came about. And, and you know, your bad dad basically took off? Yeah, uh, around the two years old, um, his addiction to alcoholism started getting really bad. So my mother kicked him out of the house. Um, well, kicked him out, plus he wanted to leave. So it was kind of like a win-win situation for the both of them. So, you know, my mother kind of took matters in her own hands, started working two or three jobs by herself so she could support me, put me through school, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, thing, things things worked out, and she always figured it out for us. You know, I, I, never, I never went hungry. I never didn't have clothes. I was always in school. I always had the best, whatever she could provide for me, you know. You know, and, and I know Derek's mom, and she's a wonderful lady, and, and – but being a single mother from another country, she's worked her way up. She's got a great job. But having to deal with a kid that, uh, you know, is a bigger kid. Derek's a, a little muscle head. But at 16 years old, you know, you were football player, wrestler, water polo. But you were kind of a rebel. You did what you wanted. You, yeah. you drove the house. Yeah, I pretty much did whatever I wanted ever since I can remember because I knew that I knew how I could manipulate my mom. I remember ever since I was about 11 or 12, I kind of figured out the way that she worked. I figured out, you know, oh, I, I, I could do something bad and then go home and clean the house and then I'll be okay and I can go out and do something bad again. So I kind of figured out this, this vicious cycle that I can run in 
to where I manipulated throughout the years to about 16 where I was, you know, 210, 220 pounds straight muscle that I didn't really care what anyone had to say at that point. I kind of just did whatever I pleased, came home whenever I wanted, did whatever I wanted, man. Like, so so how did you actually, outside of being the, the kid experimenting, smoking some weed, you know, drinking, maybe doing a little X in, in, in the experimenting, how did you cross over into the, the opiates and the true game of addiction? So for me, man, um, like you said, I was a three-sport varsity athlete. Um, I remember the day that it happened. I was practicing for regionals to um, kind of progress in my wrestling career. And one day in practice, you know, I was going a little too hard and blew out my ACL. And, you know, I went down to the locker room. I thought my whole life was over because my whole life revolved around pretty much sports. I didn't care about academics. I didn't care about, you know, anything else. All I cared about really was sports. And I went down to the locker room and someone, another teammate of mine actually, who I considered a pretty good friend, uh, came down and had, you know, offered me Norcos. And I, you know, un unknowing, unknowingly to myself, I didn't really know what would come about it, but I accepted, you know, one. And unfortunately, one turned to two, two turned to four, four turned to 10, 10 turned to 20, and 20 turned to 50 a day. And before I knew it, I just, I, I was an opiate addict and you know eventually enough as everybody in the opiate game knows it progresses and progresses and progresses quite rapidly and by 17 I was already doing heroin because I couldn't afford the pills so I switched over to the cheaper stronger stuff and how old were you when you went into your first treatment center 19 years old 19 and what was did you want to go were you forced to go uh, my hand was kind of forced, you know, by that time I had already been kicked out of the house. I was living on the South side, got evicted from that couch hopping, doing, you know, doing other things, sleeping in my car to where I eventually said, you know what, I'll, I'll give this treatment thing a try. And I went down, you know, it, it all sounded great when I went down to Florida for my first 30 days. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, stinks over the rest of my life. I played the game again because I'm a master manipulator and I know how to get away with things. So I got out in 30 days. I convinced my mom to fly me back to Chicago, convinced her that it was a good idea to stay at her house because I was now, for the first time in my life, 30 days clean. And I pretty much convinced her that I was cured, knowing that I'm just going to go back and continue to get high anyways. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what we do, though. You know, that's what – bringing up – you know, I can remember the first time I went to treatment at 21. I, I was doing a lot of cocaine. I started freebasing cocaine. I was drinking like a fish. But when I went into treatment, I just wanted to quit doing drugs and figure out how to drink like a normal person. This whole disease concept just, just blew me. You know, a disease to me was cancer, lupus. Crohn's disease, diabetes, those are diseases. I never thought uh, alcoholism or substance abuse or drug addiction was a disease. And, you know, the American Medical Association in 1956, you know, said, no, this is a damn disease here. But I didn't, uh, I didn't grasp it. And I went in and out of the program for years. I didn't get sober until I was 44 years old, sitting in the Illinois Department of Corrections, the second time going, how the hell did I get back here again? 
wow, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have plugged in. How many times did you go through treatment, Derek, and detoxes? Can you count? Um, if I remember correctly, in the last two years, it's been about 16 detoxes, 12 treatment centers, and like I said, countless halfways, countless doing whatever I wanted because that's that's what I've done my entire life. And it's funny you bring up the, the whole disease concept. I remember the first time going into treatment, I was like, okay, so you're telling me I can't shoot heroin and I can't smoke crack like a gentleman. Perfect. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink and I'm still going to smoke weed and I'm still going to take ecstasy and acid. And I'm going to figure out my life. And, you know, little did I know that I'm going to come back and immediately start getting, you know, high the way I used to automatically. Yeah, you, you know, and that's what happens with this. And what we're really trying to do today is, you know, just over the holiday weekend here, I had about uh, 29, 30 calls on people overdose and a couple more deaths, got a number of people in local detoxes, uh, had a guy call us from the Kendall County Jail today, uh, going to be getting him into the SHARE program. You know, you don't have to live this way, but damn it, you got to change every aspect of your life, and you have to work for your recovery. And and those are the some of the things I want to talk on when we, uh, you know, come back from a break in a few minutes here is really what is different for you this time? You know, if I could go back to 21 years old in one aspect, I would. But on the other side, my journey took me to exactly where I needed to go to finally grasp this. But, you know, Iskipa, there's a lot of young people in recovery out there doing some great things. And recovery doesn't suck. Not at all. Not at all. Man. Do you still have a sponsor? Absolutely. Do you work the steps? Absolutely. Do you sponsor other people? Absolutely. How many meetings do you attend a week? Uh, roughly four to five. What's the most important thing in your life? My recovery. Your recovery. Your recovery, your recovery. Number one thing in your life, and, and for me, my relationship with my God, but... Uh, Brandon Novak, a good friend of ours, you know, he always said, once I quit playing Brandon's God and I quit trying to sponsor Brandon myself, I was able to surrender and, and grasp what's going on. And I, I look at Nick Larson working with us, Ashley, Chris Reed. Um, we've got some great people out here that are living recovery and, and, and doing the right things, you know. Yeah. Um, but then we got some other ones out there that have... Uh, have struggled, you know, our, our buddy Jason, you know, at uh, 18 months sober, he quit going to meetings. He had a baby, beautiful baby, and, and quit going to meetings and, and picked up again and uh, went to treatment and got out no deed and, and was dead. And his buddy Mike found him. And, and, and thank God he's okay today. But man, that shit breaks my heart. But on the flip side, Jason's got a heartbeat. Jason's got hope. And, and, you know, we'll get we'll get him back on uh, on the right road here. It just takes a little bit of time for some people. Other people, you know, you don't need to uh, you don't need to struggle like this. But you got to give it a shot. You know, Derek, in all those other times and going to treatment, uh, did you ever work the steps? Did you ever get a sponsor? No, I mean, pretty much uh, what I did differently this time, right? So every time I went to treatment, I like to play chaos agent. I like to bring in other people with my insanity. I get to have other people co-sign my stuff, and I would pretty much just BS my way through treatment, get out, and I would do like the I would 
people like to call it the 30-60-90 shuffle. I wouldn't even last 90 days. I would last about 30 days before I would get it high without working the program. So this time I knew, as soon as I got out of PHP, two of my best friends went out and relapsed. So I knew immediately, like, it was either right then and there. It's either I'm going to get high right now, continue doing what I was doing, or I'm going to start working the steps and start giving myself to a simple program. So. Yeah, and that's what you got to do, you know. Um, we're going to go deeper with Derek on, on what happened when he went to, he actually went to Banyan Treatment Center a few times and, and what Tom, his counselor, said to him and, and what Derek's doing today and, and being young doesn't suck in recovery. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. This is Tim Ryan with Man in Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope. If you want to call in and talk with myself or Derek, 866-472-5791. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. This is Tim Ryan with Man in Recovery Radio. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to A Man in Recovery Radio, From Dope to Hope, featuring host Tim Ryan. To reach Tim by mail, please use tryan at amirf.org. That's tryan at amirf.org. IRF.org. Now, back to a man in recovery radio. Back at it, this is Tim Ryan, man in recovery radio, taking people from dope to hope, helping one addict at a time with my good friend Derek Horan here, a uh, little bit over nine months sober. I normally do not let anyone work with me unless they have a year clean and sober, but you know, I've known Eric for I mean, I've known Derek for a while here. I'm, I'm trying to text and do two things at the same time. <laughs> and I saw the change in him, but I had you down in Banyan a few times. You came back. You even tried Banyan in Chicago, and then you wanted to dictate your own program, what you're going to do, and uh, you headed back to Florida. I think you ripped and ran a little, and then uh, – one of our clinicians sat you down, and exactly what did he say to you? Oh, Tom Dean. So pretty much when we sat down, um, it was about my second day in. He sat me down, and he said, Mr. Horan, I have something to say to you. I was like, okay, shoot. He's like, you don't know me very well, but I know you. You've been here enough times to where I've heard your backstory. You were barely let in this time because of the person that you've been while you were here. 
And he's like, I've got something to say to you. And I was like, okay, so shoot. Like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, I'm going to tell you that you're not shit. You won't be shit till you stop getting high and you start working a program and stop coming back to treatment. And I kind of looked at him. I was taken back. I was like, who is this old guy talking to? I was like, do you know who I am? He's like, yeah, you're Derek Coran. You're a homeless junkie who's really doing nothing with his life at the current moment except getting high and going to treatment for the last two years of your entire life. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I really didn't have anything to say. I kind of just looked at him like like deer in the headlights, really. I, You know, I didn't really have any other option. I couldn't fight him. He was right. <clears throat> so what was different this time then? Did you quit looking outward and, and start looking inward at yourself? Because as, as you said, you were a chaos agent. And, you know, it, it happens when people go into treatment. You're always looking for someone to co-sign your bullshit. And if you got 30 people or 100 people in treatment, it's very easy to start rolling with some people to gang up on a therapist or start co-signing each other's bullshit because this is the only disease that will tell you you're cured. And you get two other people saying, oh, yeah, well, we could do this or one more run. How many people you know that have went on one more run and are no longer with us? Uh, too many to count, unfortunately. So... Pretty much, I, I want to take it back before treatment. I mean, every time I went to treatment, I, you know, I wasn't on a winning streak, but I wasn't at the worst part of my life. So back to February 10th of this year, I can remember I was at a, such a low point in my life, all uh, mentally, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, I was just completely shattered. So I had two options, man. It was either I kill myself or I go to treatment. Me being the person I am, I didn't want to continue life without getting high. So what I did is I went out and I bought a gun. And I remember sitting on the edge of Lake Michigan. And I remember staring at the water and I kept looking at my reflection. I was like, okay, so it's either I do this right now or I go to treatment. And me being the person that I am, I picked it up, put it in my mouth, I pulled the trigger and the safety was on. So from that moment on, I knew that I had some other reason. You know, there was a reason as to why I didn't die that day, that second. So three days later, I decided, you know, all right, today's the day I'm going to treatment. I woke up first thing in the morning. I made a call, um, had a flight booked for later on that afternoon, and I went down. And like you said, man, like every time um, I kept looking outward, I would always look at other people as to why I wasn't that bad. As to, you know, oh, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. You know, I haven't robbed, blah, blah, blah. And this time going down there, it's like I've, I've done everything on, under the sun. Like I'm, I have no more yes. I've got no reason not to do this this time. So when I went down there, I had noticed a few other uh, good friends of mine were also there with me. But you know, I, I decided to I decided to isolate. I decided to go talk to other people. I decided to actually sit there and work on myself, and you know, go through the book and help other people who haven't been to treatment before because I knew I knew the book back and forth. Like I could I could recite every single verse to you in the book. But you couldn't apply I, shit to your life. Exactly. I couldn't do anything about it. You know, we, we got a couple people on the line, uh, Ashley and Nick. Are you out there, Ashley and Nick, in, in Internet land? Yeah, yeah we're here. Hi, Ashley and Nick. How are we today? Wonderful. Good. How are you? Good, good, good. So... You know, you two actually uh, work with uh, Derek and I at uh, Banyan Treatment Center and volunteer with the Man of Recovery Foundation, right? Yeah. Correct. So tell me about uh, 
when you two first met Derek Haran, you know, Nick, what were your thoughts? How much how how much clean time did you have at the time when you met Derek, Nick? When I met Derek, I had roughly eight months, eight months of sobriety. Um, and the first impression you get from him at that time for me was uh, his willingness to go to any length in his recovery. And, and, and boy, you just hit the nail on the head, the willingness to go to any length in recovery. How about you, Ashley? What was your first take on Derek? <laughs> well... I met Derek. But besides, think besides thinking he was a cutie, eight sober, and I don't know. He seemed quiet at first, it, like because the first time I met him was at recovery group out in Crystal Lake um, when he came out with you. Tell me about that recovery group. Where do we run that at? Every Tuesday night at a, a sober club called the Other Side in Crystal Lake, Ever, uh, Illinois. Every Tuesday night, we run a, uh, a family support group where we have the loved ones come with the addict at the same time, right? 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. every Tuesday. And that's where you first met Derek. What's your, uh, where's your journey come with Derek now, Ashley? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, people don't know. You can't just laugh. We're on the radio. Where is your journey with Derek right now? My journey with Derek right now is Derek and I are uh, Derek and I are dating and things are uh, absolutely wonderful and we're both working separate programs and we also come together and we also have a lot of sober fun and we do a lot of different things together as far as recovery is concerned too. Um, <laughs> so, so that's what I want to hit on, Ashley. You're all, you just had two years sober, right? Correct. Now, would you have dated someone that had not had a sponsor and worked through the steps? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And I know that you and Derek might have been eye-googling each other, but you waited not only for him to work the steps with the sponsor, but to start really sponsoring other people and showing you because I'm not saying people can't get into relationships in recovery but you hit the key on the head, Ashley. If you are going to date someone in recovery, A, you don't fall in love in, in fucking treatment. You know, <laughs> you do it once you've worked your program and are working it with your sponsor and doing your own thing, <laughs> and the other individual needs to work with their sponsor doing their own thing. Do you guys constantly Absolutely. go to meetings together? No, we don't. You don't. Um, why? Because what I do, like, I need to make sure that I'm hitting meetings for myself. And, like, if I'm in a meeting with Derek, then I may or may not say something uh, that I may or may not want to say, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, you know, you, in, in a, <clears throat> the programs of recovery, whether you're going to 12-step based, Christian based, Buddhist recovery, smart, I don't care, but you're, you're there for yourself. And the right. whole reason is so so you can help other people. But if you got your significant other there all the time, you know, Kirsten, who my fiance, who I live with, uh, she's a little over three years sober. I'm over four years. But we might go to one meeting every two weeks together. She does hers. I do mine. I, I actually came home, took a break, went to the cigar shop yesterday with the boys to watch the Bears get their ass handed to them again. 
And I came home and she was meeting with their sponsor and uh, they went down in the basement and met for another hour and a half. And, you know, that's not my place. And it was funny. We were watching a movie last night and she said, oh, I did another fourth and a fifth step. And I said, well, let me guess. I was on there. She said, of course. But you know what? And I left it at that. It's not my place. To, hey, what are you talking about me or what's your issue? She needs to work on herself. You need to work on yours. Derek needs to work on himself. So we can keep doing what we're doing here. Ashley, how old are you? I'm 28. Nick, how old are you? 31. 31. Derek, you're 22. I'm 48. That's the cool thing about recovery. It pulls people together. I've got friends that are 85 years old. I have friends that are 16. Um, what are some of the things, Derek, Derek, what have a couple things you and Ashley have done in the past few weeks? Where were you guys this past weekend? Uh, well, Ashley actually introduced me to a whole new thing that I knew nothing about, right? So there is this thing called uh, WIPA, which pretty much is Young People's Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, we, we went to a conference in Michigan for a night this past weekend, and I was absolutely mind-blown. I'm talking hundreds of young people uh, mixing with a few older old-timers and just having fun, man. Just like How man, many people were at the event? Uh, I, I honestly couldn't even count. How many would you say, Ashley? How many for Michigan? How many people were at this event on Friday in Michigan? Roughly 500. How about where were you guys a weekend prior? Uh, we were at Soberfest at the Grand Geneva Resort in Lake, in Lake, Geneva. Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And if you don't know Lake Geneva, it's like the Hamptons of the Midwest. A uh, guy that, you know, waste management, Morton Salt, the Wrigley, Schwinn Estate. Beautiful, beautiful area. How many people were at that event, Soberfest? Uh, I, I think by the end of it, they counted about 20, I think they said about 22 to 2,300 people. 22 to 2,300 people, clean and sober, having fun, right? Yep. Yep. Recovery doesn't suck. Nick, uh, now that I got you on the phone, Nick, how many times have you been in jail or prison? Uh, I've been in prison six times. Six times. What did you do this weekend, Nick? I uh, went down to Arizona and visited my uncle, who I haven't seen in 14 years in Arizona. Haven't seen your uncle in 14 years. What was it like to, A, see your uncle clean and sober, but to spend quality time with your uncle sober? Um, for me, it, it, was, it was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I never realized real enjoyment of life. When I was down there, just my attitude from the point that I got off the plane, there was a lot of fear going into it. Um, but I knew it was something that I had to face because I, not only did I owe my grandma some amends, but to be able to get away from the grind and do something, you know, I haven't been able to leave the state since I was before 17 legally, you know. So that's um, the first time you've been able to leave the state. To... That's the first time you've been able to leave the state not on probation or parole in a number of years. Correct. Kind of cool, isn't it? It's amazing. Um, the amount of eye-opening that I got from that, um, that I, I consider it like a spiritual experience, to be 100% honest. Um, it made me, got me to look back and see what the real enjoyment and the quality and values of life truly are. 
the meaning of family outside of your recovery um, and how important it is to have that, you know, because even after all this time and all the damage that I had caused, um, we didn't miss a beat. It was loving. It was caring. It was um, a lot of emotion, but it was good emotion that I haven't felt since I was a little kid. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I actually just spoke sober and be able to remember it is actually is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, I just booked a trip with my 15 year old daughter Abby. We're going down to my parents in the Florida Keys, December 28th for nine days, and you know it's the first time that I'm I get to go somewhere with Abby alone and just have daddy daughter time. Uh, I'm going to take my two other boys snow skiing and snowboarding and. Uh, then in the spring, I'll take Kirsten and Mackenzie somewhere, too. But, you know, family time is so important. And, you know, I, I cherish my parents. I talk to my mom every day at 7.30 in the morning. Of course, I called her today, and her phone was off there down in Florida now. But those are the things. I was always searching for happiness through the drugs and alcohol. And once I got that out, whether you're young, you're old, you can have a great life clean and sober. And you're still going to have trials and tribulations but you don't need to pick up over them, right? Nick, did you just get your first apartment? Yeah, well, I signed my first lease um, myself. And, you know, while I was down there, I went to a meeting, and it was called Get It Together Group in Mesa, Arizona. And what really opened my eyes is the whole meeting was about faith without works is dead. And I look back at, you know, this last year, um, and then leading up to this week of being able to go down there for Thanksgiving, And it made me open my eyes and really, really believe again that, you know, God did this for a reason at this time. Because if I look back at my track record, every year around this time when I was free and not incarcerated was when I would fall, was when I would fall. And he eliminated me from that element, whether it be the seasonal depression or that kind of stuff. But for him to do that, you know, um, and take a look at my life to where it looks at the values and the meanings behind everything. It was like I put a post on Facebook the other day. It's, you know, are you willing to get to the point where you will let God or your higher power or whatever um, drive your life? And a lot of people say that they will, but that's not the real question. The real question is, are you willing to open your mind to to hear it, you know, to see it? Exactly. And I, That'll go back to that day Derek was down in Chicago with the gun in his mouth and the the safety didn't, it was on. And uh, thank God. And, you know, looking where Derek's at today, you know, this uh, little punk I met two years ago. I remember we got into an argument and his, (laughs) you better kick rocks with no shoes. But I didn't realize, you know, at the time, I, I, I never told you this, you know, your mom reached out to me. And said, you know, Tim, Derek looks up to you like, you know, a friend, but the father he's never had. And I'm like, shit, I never looked at it that way, you know, because sometimes I look at Derek just as as my little brother, as, uh, you know, someone I'm trying to guide and direct I can have fun with. But, you know, I see the growth that he's had in the past nine months, actually in the past two years, because he's one of the fortunate ones that, that didn't die and I'm just sitting back on, you know, all four of us are, are working for Banyan. We're all with Manor Recovery. Our lives don't suck, but the most important thing I can say is our recovery. And 
and that's where we're at. Um, I want to thank Nick and Ashley for calling in. We need to uh, go back to break, but if you need to or want any help, you know, please reach out to a Man of Recovery Foundation. You can reach us at 844-611-4673. If you got a female, Ashley will talk to them. Males, you got myself, Derek, and Nick. Um, we all work for Banyan Treatment Center, you know, B-A-N-Y-A-N treatmentcenter.com. Check them out, 844-4-BANYAN, B-A-N-Y-A-N. We're going to be taking a break here with Manor Recovery Radio. We will be back with Derek Coran. Take a break. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. As we age, our health can decline. For some, it's a slow, even process, while for others, it can happen at a much faster rate. The health decline can start in people as young as their 30s. Did you know a lot of age-related diseases can be prevented, reversed, or eliminated? It's true. You'll find out more every week on Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. It's your life. Keep it going well. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are listening to A Man in Recovery Radio, from dope to hope, featuring host Tim Ryan. To reach Tim by mail, please use tryan at amirf.org. That's tryan at amirf.org. Now, back to A Man in Recovery Radio. We're back at it here. It's Tim Ryan with The Man in Recovery Radio, taking people from dope to hope. Helping one addict at a time with my good friend, Derek Horan. You know, Derek's 22 years old, nine-plus months sober, actually working for Banyan Treatment Center, volunteer for a Man of Recovery Foundation. We occasionally got him speaking in high schools, helping with the, the cop kid and the convict program, you know, out here enjoying life. Derek, you know, Derek and I were in uh, Sheridan Prison about six months ago. I that's where I was incarcerated, and I go back and speak to all the inmates there. And there was uh, one of your friends, Oscar, yep. we ran into that Derek used to rip and run with. And I think Oscar was facing, what, seven years? Seven years. Yep. Se seven years in prison. And, you know, that could have been Derek, too. But those are the things that open up your eyes to say, hey, you know what? My life doesn't suck. This is where I could go. But those are things you never want to forget. You don't want to forget the pain. And people have different pain thresholds. For me, I needed to go to prison. I needed to lose everything to get to where I'm at today. Derek didn't have to do that. You know, yeah, sometimes in jail here and there, but his pain was, was enough, you know. 
What I'm trying to say is you don't have to be 44 years old going to prison or, or get your third DUI or, or lose everything because, Derek, you're just building your life and gaining it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny you actually bring that up. Um, I, I saw a couple friends over the weekend that um, I consider like normies, so to speak. Um, they can drink and smoke weed successfully without ruining their lives or progressing. So... Pretty much the the way um, the way I'll explain it right is they they're still there talking about the same things, doing the same things, working the same jobs, and really in the same spot that they were two or three or four or five years ago. To where me today, in the last nine months, if you would have told me a little over nine months ago that I'd be working for a treatment center, I'd probably laugh in your face, take your wallet, and go get high, because that was the guy that I was, right? And it's, it's just baffling to how simple, not easy, but definitely simple of a program it really is and how much your life changes in just a short period of time. I mean, tenfold. Tenfold yeah. it changes. I can remember, you know, I did 13 and a half months and Sheridan got out and, and Shannon divorced me and lost our home. But, you know, I got my new sponsor, John. We rocked through the steps. But once I did that honest, honest fourth step and, and shared everything did that fifth with John, man, the doors open. The, the anvil fell off my shoulder. You're only as sick as your secrets. I didn't have any more. I'm the guy that I don't give a shit what people think about me. Um, if I'm able to be sitting here talking to you on the airwaves right now, um, the guy that's overdosed eight times, two heart attacks, clinically dead three, thank God for Narcan or I wouldn't be here but I'm four plus years sober today. Anybody can, anybody, anybody. But I wish to God when I was 21, I had a, a counselor that was in my face like Tom was in your face and saying, look, man, you, you're going to die. It's as simple as that. I mean, uh, next this week we attend our 101st funeral in, uh, in two years, a little bit over two years, 101 people. I mean, it's getting worse. This isn't an epidemic. It's a pandemic. Um, and it's amazing how many people still have their heads in the sands. So I had a mom call me yesterday. Her son had OD'd. He is on the way to the hospital. And she said, I've had your business card for a year. Why have you waited a year to call me? Or the other person that died and said, oh, well, your card was on the fridge, but we, we, we didn't think it was that bad. You know, you never know with the heroin, the pills, you don't know what you're getting today. It's bad, it's dangerous, it's deadly, but there's hope out there. So, Derek, what are some of your plans with where you want to go with your life and what you want to do? I mean, what does Derek Saran, Haran's future look like? Well, you know, I, I try not to think too far into the future, but provided I keep following what I'm doing as of right now, continue to be open-minded with room to grow, I mean, who knows, man? I mean, I plan... My, my, see, my plan and God's plan are two completely different things. So what I would hope to see in the future is to see myself progress to where I'm at right now at Banyan um, because this, I love what I do. You know, I, my entire life I've always said I want to do something that will benefit the, the, the community, the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just didn't know in what way I could do that to where now I, I, I see why God took me through things that he did because, you know, it helped me grow. It helped me become the person I am today. And, you know, now I'm on the other side on the front lines with you, Nick, Ashley, and we're, we're out here trying to, trying to spread the message and 
trying to make a difference. You know, there, there's no magic to this. Um, where's my credentials? I have 30 years of street credit. You can't study in a book what I know, what I've learned. But that's why, you know, I have people like Suzette Papadakis, who's our executive clinical director here. We've got a great clinical team. I'm not a clinician. My job is to get people into treatment, whether they have insurance, no insurance, state insurance. I never wanted to be that guy that, oh, I can't help you. You don't have any money. You know, I want people to understand what the Manor Recovery Foundation, uh, you know, Tuesday's Giving Tuesday. Tomorrow's Giving Tuesday. So, you know, the way we raise our funds is predominantly through my speaking events, um, unfortunately through memorials when people pass away, but we really don't get many donations. What we do with all our money, we give it all away. I don't take it, when I get paid five grand to speak, that money, 75% of it goes into the foundation. I pay my other speakers a nominal fee, but that 3,500 bucks, you know, that'll go to put two people into a four-month treatment programs, or we're helping to put someone in a sober home. But, you know, if you want to make a donation, man, give us a shout out at www.amirf.org. You know, everything we do costs money. And with this epidemic going on, I, I wish there was more people helping. I wish there was more resources, but we have to work with what we have. Um you know, if you're one of the fortunate ones that has a good insurance policy, you know, check out Banyan, BanyanTreatmentCenter.com. There's a reason I work for Banyan. I could work for any treatment center in the country, damn near. Uh, I believe in what they're doing. We have a state-of-the-art detox in Stewart, Florida. We have a beautiful facility in Pompano Beach, Naperville, Illinois, and outside of Boston. And, and we're out here trying to offer hope and, and give guidance and direction. If you want to follow me, Tim Ryan, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at A Man in Recovery, Instagram from Dope to Hope, and on Facebook we've got you know A Man in Recovery Foundation. We've got Tim Ryan, motivational speaker. You can follow me, Tim Ryan, Naperville, Illinois. Um, we're here to help. We're here to offer hope. You know, next week I've got a really, really neat mother coming on by the name of Sandy Swenson. Sandy has become a really good friend of mine and she wrote a book called Joey's Song. And this book is about her son Joey who is so inactive addiction as we speak. Um, she talks to him, you know, once a month, might see him once a year. She'll fly down to the Florida area where he lives, he'll usually show up, they'll have dinner, they don't talk about his addiction, she just cherishes the time, hops on a plane and flies back um, and hopes to see him next year. But uh, Sandy Swenson will, will be our guest next week. The lady's really, really just fascinating. Some of the other speakers we have, guests we have coming up, uh, Danny Langloss, the chief of police out in uh, Dixon, Illinois, Matt Gannam, the poet, uh, we'll bring that knucklehead Brandon Novak on. We're coordinating with Dr. Drew from the Dr. Drew Show, one of the top addictionologists in the country, let alone the world, uh, a person I'm able to call a friend. Uh, we'll be having Dr. Drew come on. But, uh, you know, spread the word out there that we're here, and we want to hear from the families. We want to be able to offer hope because that's what we do. And if, if I got Derek Horan sitting in, in our little studio slash office here, um, getting some hope. 
that's what it's all about. So, what does your week look like, Derek? Uh, it's always uh, it's always up in the air, man. You know, yesterday I started off. This is this is the crazy part, right? So, uh, my mother just had vicious back surgery. So, you know, she asked me about a week ago if I could help her put up lights, and I had remembered yesterday, and I realized that I had nothing on my schedule for once in about six or seven months. And I, you know, I immediately woke up, I asked her, all right, what do you want me to do? Went and bought a Christmas tree. I set up our entire house full of Christmas decorations, and I haven't helped my mother with anything in about four or five years. So that's like, that's a crazy thing to me. Um, and then the rest of this week, man, who, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Well, we're actually heading us. down, we've got Novak flying in Wednesday morning. We're heading down to... Taylorville, Illinois, uh, Judge Brad Paisley's got us coming in. We're speaking in the high schools, meeting with law enforcement, the junior highs. We're doing our Cop Kid and the Convict program Thursday night in Taylorville, Illinois. Friday, we're speaking to some more high schools and the graduating drug court. And then uh, the following week, the 8th, we're doing the Cop Kid and the Convict in Oswego, Illinois, uh, my former hometown that... Uh, has got some issues with wanting to bring us in because I'm the drug addict that used to live there and, and my son's the drug addict that died that lived there. And it, it's just amazing, the stigma of addiction. You know, I'm four plus years sober. I've dedicated my life to fucking helping people and, and they've got issues. It, it just blows me. So we're putting on our own, our own event there and I don't care if there's five people or 500. If it helps one person, that's all we care about. We don't, I don't want to bury any more people. I don't want to get that. I thought I got the call the other day from Ingrid's dad. Um, but thank God it wasn't that call. Um, I, I just, I understand why people struggle, but on the flip side, I don't. I was so lost. I wish to God someone like me would have walked into my house and said, Tim, reach down, grab your ears, pull your head out of your ass. You don't have to live this way anymore. But I, I didn't. Uh, I mean, Shannon, my former wife, wanted to send me to Tibet to live with the Buddhist monks. I mean, I tried methadone. That didn't work. I tried Suboxone. That didn't work. Um, and that's one thing I'm going to be talking when we get Dr. Drew on the show is really on the maintenance programs. If you're doing maintenance, my, my suggestion, do Vivitrol. It's not an opiate. You know, Suboxone, what they're doing with that drug and, and keeping people on this long term and not having any drug testing and giving them no therapy, that doesn't work. Um, but to each his own, it's not my job to tell someone what their journey or recovery is. It's different for everyone, but don't tell me that you're on Suboxone, you're clean and sober, because you're not. It's a friggin' opiate. You might not be abusing heroin anymore, but you are still putting an opiate in your system. It's as simple as that. Um, but we'll see where it goes from there, but I'm definitely grateful that, uh, you know, I got Derek sitting here, and we got a busy day today. You got to go over to Good Samaritan Hospital and, and check on a couple Got a couple guys in there over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. you had an interest. Derek walked into a house. What did you have? Uh, so I walked in the house on, I believe it was Saturday, and, you know, first woke up, get about five phone calls. I'm already flustered. So I'm on the way to this guy's house, and I think about him like I have to pray. So I prayed before walking to this guy's house, and immediately upon walking in, I, I look inside his room. He's got syringes everywhere, bags, and, you know, back in the day, I would have been like, all right, let's go. Like, let's go get high. But, like, at that moment, I, I just felt this, this 
this feeling of like sadness almost like as to how lost this individual was when I was there just a few short uh, nine and a half months ago. And that that's what's crazy to me today is that I that obsession of getting high is not anywhere near inside of my head. There's no thoughts of getting high ever. That obsession and compulsion has been lifted due to you living a life of recovery. Yeah. But if you quit, every person I see that relapses, they quit going to meetings, they started sponsoring themselves, they didn't need it anymore, and, and they go out and get high. Amen. You know, I think about having a drink and I instantly go to sitting in a prison cell puking and shitting myself. Because that's where that one drink will take me. That's where that one marijuana cigarette. I don't use any mind-altering substances. I just had oral surgery last week. Uh, I think total in, in five days I took three or four 800-milligram ibuprofen. That was it. You don't need to. Again, if you need help, check us out, Manor Recovery Foundation, www.amirf.org. You can reach us at 844-611-HOPE. That's 844-611-4673. Um, you don't have to live this way anymore. Recovery doesn't suck. You know, Iskipi, young people in recovery. There's so many cool things going out there. The Fed Up rallies. What the, the Surgeon General just did out in uh, L.A., you know, Novak, Joe Walsh, they had some great people. Um, it's cool to be sober today. Yeah, man. But uh, I look at my kids and, and, you know, see the journey they're on and, and doing well and the journey we're on and, and what we're doing. And it's truly an honor and a blessing to be able to, to share on the airwaves with you. I'd like to thank our guest, Derek Horan, again today for coming on um man in recovery radio we're out here taking people from dope to hope helping one addict at a time and that's all we do we just guide and direct um but we don't have many people not go to treatment no nope. once we get through to one but i want to thank you again next week our guest will be sandy swenson the author of joey's song this is tim ryan with the man in recovery radio taking people from dope to hope helping one addict at a time have a blessed day. Thank you. Don't die. This has been a Man in Recovery Radio from Dope to Hope. Please join Tim Ryan again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of our program. And remember, there is always a future, always hope. <laughs>